Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. services or connect with us on Facebook. Luke chapter 19 is where we're, we're looking. We're kicking off a new series and uh, looking at being united, having uh, relationships that are healthy. One of the greatest economy that we have and the thing that we have in, in building and growing with is relationships. When there are good relationships, we have good companies, good uh, communities, good families, strong marriages, that relationships really impact a lot of what we have. And, and the things that really cause us to become dismantled and, and taken apart are unhealthy relationships. And we, we of course, see that. And I want to look in, in this series over the next couple of weeks talking about the importance of doing relationships God's way, that in a place that is polarized, politicized, and offended and, and divided, that we can grow in our relationships and recognizing that the greatest resource that we have are relationships. I've heard people who have said before, well, you know, the only reason they got that job or the only reason that worked out is because they knew somebody. I turn around and say to them, well, get to know somebody. Uh, relationships are that important. Don't let that be an excuse. Uh, yeah, it does sometimes matter who you know. And uh, we, don't, we don't take advantage of that. It's just the reality that I am where I am because of who I know. I met Jesus. He turned my life around. And because of that relationship with him, I am where I am because of who I know. And when we know him, when we're in relationship with him, it should impact our relationship with other people. We've got to be good stewards and good managers of resources, our skills, our future, the things that are around us. But of the most important are our relationships. And so this is what we want to look at. Let me just give you a, a biblical perspective here on the matter of relationships. Galatians, or I'm sorry, Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper that is fit for him. How many know from the very beginning, God said, this is about relationships. This is about being in relationship with one another. In, in 1 John 4.20, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we cannot see? Here it is. It's relationships. The importance of having healthy relationships. Matthew 18. I tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together in my name that are in relationship, in agreement, in that place, he said, I will be among them. There is the importance of of relationship. And then Psalm 133, he says this, that unity is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. That where there is unity, there is the blessing and the favor of God. Relationships are important. The kingdom of God is all about relationships. Don't show me what you do for God without showing me your love for other people. If we have all that we do, we will not be noted and recognized for what we do for Christ. If you do things for God, that's great. But if you do things for God, that's more about you, what you do, even if it's for God. But if it's in relationship unto people, that is the real truth of how it is unto God. That it's unto God by how it impacts and how it affects our other folks around us and the relationships that we have growing Together. So for the next six weeks, I want to look at the importance of relationships and how we can be united moving into more. This was from the beginning of the year. We said that this, this year, 
coming into 2020 that we were moving into more. How many know this is more than we ever imagined? Uh, this is way more than we ever expected, more than we could ever, ever think, hope, or imagine. We know that God is still working in that. But lo- looking in this time frame, how do we move into more together? And it's even going to be a part of our Wednesday nights. And I hope you'll, you'll join us uh, over these next six weeks as we just really evaluate and discover and look at having relationships God's way. Uh, we'll even involve that on Wednesday nights. This week is Fam Jam. Uh, just uh, we'll be uh, we'll be uh, revealing uh, and uh, making available some family devotions and some things that are that are geared to having effective family devotions. And so that'll be Wednesday night as we're gathered and get to see some of our uh, next gen ministries. But then the the Wednesday after we'll be doing a three week series on marriage and uh, the title uh, more than words. And so uh, this really really sparked in the the unrest and things that have happened. Uh, there was a statement that was made, and that was this, that we can't, uh, we, we can't dislike what's in the streets by ignoring what's been in our homes. That the only reason things get into the streets is because we allow them in our homes. And when we, when we, we see what's in the street, the unrest, it's a picture of what's in the home. And so it uh, really was something for us to say, man, let's take a moment. Let's talk about doing relationships God's way, how we can be structured and strengthened in our homes, in our relationships, and uh, in this opportunity to grow together. And so I hope you'll be a part of that with us. And uh, Luke 19 is where we're going to be, be starting today. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And let's stand together looking at Luke 19, verse 28. I want to look at a picture of uh, what needs to happen in order for us to become more united. Uh, I, I think uh, there, there's a picture that we can see in this event that Jesus is uh, taking part in as he's moving into Jerusalem. We know this is the, the point where he is going to die. He's going to do what was purpose for him to give his life for us. And on his way, there's a significant event that lines up and really points to who Jesus is or that Jesus not just points to who he is, but gives evidence that he is the Messiah because of him riding in on a donkey. And here's what it says. It says that after Jesus told this story, he went on toward Jerusalem Walking ahead of his disciples, as he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it. Somebody say untie it. I believe that this is significant for us, that there's some things that need to be untied in our lives. And he says untie it. And bring the donkey here. If anyone asks why you are untying that colt, just say the Lord needs it. So I want to talk this morning just from this title today as we're united moving forward together. Get it together. Why don't you just tell somebody beside you today, tell them get it together. Get it together. God, I pray that you would help us in our relationships, that we would get it together. God, that we would have relationships that are healthy, that in a world that is dysfunctional, a world that 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 is in disorder, Lord, I pray that our house and this house and the body of Christ help us in these days to be unified more and more. Help us to be united that we might move into more together for your purposes, we pray in Jesus' name. If you agree with that today, you say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Get it together. The importance of relationships and the significance. I want you to see what happens here for the disciples as they got it together and by it, doing what, God, what Jesus said to do, untying the donkey, 
and bringing it to Jesus, the rest of this story says that Jesus rode the donkey, and as he's riding the donkey into Jerusalem, they are recognizing him as the Messiah. They are saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, they were looking for him to come, and the moment he arrived, how many know they were expecting him to do things right away? They were expecting him to set up his kingdom, but there was a a span of time, because we've learned that things in life don't always go the way we expect them. How many have figured that out? That's called maturity, right? That life doesn't always go as expected. And then this is what is taking place, that they got it together, but the world got to see who Jesus was because he came riding on a donkey that they untied, and it was prophesied in Zechariah hundreds of years earlier that he would come riding in on a colt, that just like it was said, it was specific to that place and to that time. I believe that in this day, We are waiting not for the king to come on a donkey, but this time he's coming on a white horse, that he will come and reign. And as we await those days, as we are in this season, that we are the people in this point in time that ought to live in a specific way to reveal Jesus to a world, that we would usher the presence of God into a world that's broken. Not that we can heal the world, but that we might reveal the healer in the midst of brokenness, that we can reveal the one who is hope in the midst of a world that is hopeless. Our hope is not in this world. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will remain forever. The kingdom of God is unshakable. We're not living to save the world. The world is going to perish. We are here to reflect the love of Christ, to reach, to save the lost, to reveal the hope of Jesus in a world that is, that is in need. How do we do that? The greatest way that we do that is, is, is in relationships. We can do outreach, we should. We can do benevolent things, we should. We can do all kinds of, of, of duties and, and good deeds and, and religious things, whatever you would call them. We can do and should do all of those things, but none of that is as important as the relationships we have with those that we know, with those that we get to know, that our relationships really reveal our, our relationship and who Jesus Christ is in our world. It's our relationships. Jesus said they will know you are followers of mine by your love for one another. When we get it together, it becomes a place that reveals an opportunity to reveal Jesus in a world that's broken. Jesus, of course, is, is before they untie the donkey and they bring it, it, it says the first thing we read is that Jesus had told a story, that after he told them a story, it's significant of this story connected to this point and this place. Jesus is telling them a story, and and before he tells the story, if you back up here, he had just visited Zacchaeus. You know Zacchaeus? He was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He went up in a tree. Some of us remember that. Zacchaeus was in Jericho. Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, visits Zacchaeus because this was a pointed place in time, and those who were in the community are like, what in the world are you doing, Jesus, going into the home of that man? He is a tax collector. He takes advantage of people. He He is not a friend of the Jews. He is, a, he is a, a man who takes advantage of us. He doesn't honor God's people. Why would you go there? Jesus makes it clear. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. What did he say? He said, the purpose that I've come is to build relationship. He died on the cross and he did a great thing. But how many know the great thing that he did was significant because of the great reason he did it? And what was the reason? That we might have relationship with him. 
We will not have relationship or we could not have relationship with Jesus Christ except that he died on the cross. We worship him, yes, because he died on the cross, but the significance of him dying on the cross is that it made it possible for me to have a relationship with him. And the reason I worship him is not just because he died on the cross, but because he loved me so much that I'm compelled by the love of God and it's the love of God that draws me. I don't do what I do out of religious duty. That's religion. I do what I do out of relationship relationship with the one who loved me and gave himself for me and died for me. The love of Jesus compels me. And because I know the love of God, that affects my relationships around me and affects the way I live in this world. If it doesn't affect the way I live in the world, and if it doesn't affect the way I I have relationships, then it means that I've not received the love that comes from God. I've not fully received the love that comes from God. But when I receive the love that comes from God, guess what? Forgiving doesn't always become natural, but becomes possible. You know why? Because I know how much I've been forgiven. To whom much is given, much is required. There becomes this, if you freely receive, now freely give. You, we, you, we become people who are freely giving and honoring in this world and loving people the way Christ loves because we have been loved by a God in such a way more than we ever deserved. And how many know that when you know how much God loves you, you can't help but fall in love with that God? That's the heart of of our relationship with Jesus Christ. It is the love of God. The commandments are built on this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because the only way we can do that is because he has loved us in such a way. He's at the home of Zacchaeus, and after meeting with Zacchaeus, uh, everyone has, uh, he has everyone's attention because all the, all the people around are like, what is this man doing going into that home? What is happening? And so since he has everyone's attention and because he's on his way into Jerusalem, he tells a story. Now, this story wasn't just a pastime. It wasn't like, hey, we got a 17-mile uh, journey or there's a, a travel that's still ahead of us, and so let's just tell a story to pass time. It was Jesus taking the opportunity, and it says that he told this story to let them know that the kingdom was not going to look the way they thought it would look. And here's the story that he tells them. He says the story is of a nobleman, and this nobleman is going off into a distant land to be crowned king. This would have been common. They would have heard the story and known that Herod would have done that. Herod's sons would have done that. That in order for them to be king, they would travel to a distant place, be crowned king, given authority, and then come back and rule in that place. Jesus tells the story. A noble man was going away to be crowned king. And while he was gone, he called ten servants to him. And he said to the ten servants, here are my resources. And here is ten. He gave to them ten pounds of silver. He divided among these ten that these 10, uh, 10 servants, which would have been equivalent to about three months' wages, and he told them, while I'm gone, manage my resources. And so the, this nobleman goes off, and he becomes king, and then he comes back. How many know that we have a king who is gone, but he's sent his Holy Spirit, but how many know he's coming back? He calls his servants together because he wants to take an account of what did you do with the resources while I was gone? How did you handle the resources? Called the first person in. The first person said, Master, I have given 10 or I've made 10 more of what you gave me. He says, well done, good servant. I'll make you ruler of 10 uh, 10 cities. I'll put you in charge of more. He says to the other person, and this person gives a report. He says, Master, I, I came and I brought five more. I had an addition. There's five more. He says to him, well done. I'm gonna put you in charge of five. And then another person comes, the third person comes and says, Master, I knew that you were harsh and that you were, you were hard to work for, that you demanded a lot of things. And so I just hid your money. I kept it safe. Now here it is. I didn't gain anything, but I didn't lose it either. 
He says to him, I've just kept it the way it was. And he says to that person, you wicked servant. Take from him and give to the other person. And this story that Jesus is talking and saying is, is acknowledging how we manage resources and how we manage things that are around us. Now, there's three categories that when you read this story that, that Jesus is told before he gets to the donkey and he tells him to untie the donkey. He says this story, and there are three categories. There are good servants, there are wicked servants, and there are enemies. How many know that all of us at one time or another were an enemy of God? But he made it possible that we could come into his courts. And the moment we come in now, when he returns, he will either find us either still an enemy of the cross, not coming into Christ, not coming into his authority, not coming into relationship with him, we'll either be an enemy or we'll be a servant. Now, there's two types of servants. There is the faithful servant and the wicked or lazy servant. There's the faithful servant that handled in God, with God's resources, faithfully and honored, and then the wicked or the lazy servant. That's why the Bible says that when the Son of Man comes, will he find any faith on the earth? And the difference between faithful and lazy, obviously, if we become lazy, how many know we do things on our time? You know when you're lazy, you do it when you get around to it. You get it around to it when you feel like it. You know a lazy person usually only does things when they feel like it, but a faithful person does it even when they don't feel like it. How many know there's a difference? That whenever I'm, I'm in a state of according to my own, see how I feel. I'll worship today. Well, it just depends how I feel. I'll go to church. See how I feel. I'll honor God. See how, I'll give in tithe. See how I feel. See, see how I feel. That's the lazy side. But then the, the faithful side, that is the individual that walks by faith and not by sight, not by the emotions, not by the, the, the things around us, but there's a faithfulness that they carry. And Jesus, of course, is asking or making a statement that there is management that they're handling. How are we handling the resources? And I want us to see this, though, that it's not just the resources of money. All of that matters. But the resources of relationships become so important. How are our relationships? How are we managing the relationships that God has given us? If, you, if you're taking notes, here's the first thing I want to talk about and make a statement on is this, that managing determines what really matters in our life. How we manage our life determines what really matters in our life. The way you manage your time says what really matters in your life. How you spend your time, how you spend your finances, how you spend everything that's, that's around you, how you manage those things determines what is really important. Are our relationships re revealing what is really important in our lives? Are our relationships, are our relationships being built upon and around who Jesus Christ is in our life? If I get to know somebody, and the more I get to know them, if at time, over time, how many realize if they get to know me, they ought to learn that I'm, in, I'm a Jesus follower and that, I'm, that, I, that I give in my life to him and that I'm walking after him and that my life belongs to him. How many know that the longer somebody gets to know me, that ought to become evident? If they don't know me or if they don't know that about me, then it's either they don't really know me or I don't really know myself the way I think I do. They either don't know me or I'm not really walking like I thought I was walking in honoring Jesus because this becomes central to our, our lives, that Christ becoming the center, that everything that we do, we live our lives, and even in our relationships, we handle our relationships as resources that are for kingdom purpose. I, I love today, we had a baby dedication, and this is recognizing kids aren't just ours so that we can have the joy of being parents, and then when they grow up and uh, have the opportunity to rejoice with them, and just that we can experience life. 
life, God has given us kids and children so that we can impart the truth of God's word into a generation so that when we're gone, there can be a foundation that continues and we can pass on, that we can reveal the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. Yes, we receive a joy from having children, but it's not just a selfish joy, it's a kingdom joy. It's kingdom purpose. Now, this is revolutionary to some people. That your relationship, God did not give you a spouse just to sleep with and just to grow old with and just to have somebody so you don't get, get too messy and someone to clean your clothes and take care of you and make sure you eat. And all. God has given you a spouse so that you can grow in relationship and learn how to become more like Jesus. The relationships we have are for kingdom purposes. You see, the, the problem in the dysfunction and the disorder is that we have made life self-serving. Relationships are about me. Relationships are for my pleasure, for my benefit. It's, it's for me. There is a reality that there's a blessing that comes, but there is first this acknowledging that this relationship belongs to God. There was, a, there was a, an eye-opening moment for me, maybe not a big deal for any other married couples in the room, but early on as a, as a younger married man, I had to recognize my wife is not my wife first. She is first God's daughter. And I've got to not treat her like my wife. I've got to treat her like God's daughter. Why? Because kingdom comes first. And when I seek first the kingdom of God, guess what he said? Everything else will be added unto you. See, when you look at the kingdom relationships and you treat relationships that is for kingdom value and kingdom purposes, everything that we do is about Christ for the glory of God, and it is about kingdom. What is the agenda? It's to see God's kingdom come and his will be done relationships are all about being able to influence and share the hope and the love of Jesus Christ. When we do relationships God's way, now we don't have to get on each other's page because how many know we'll never get on each other's page? You ever heard it said we're not on the same page? How many have ever been in a relationship that wasn't on the same page? You're lying. Every single one, their relationship, they're not on the same page. And here's what we have to learn though. The goal in life is not to get on each other's page. The goal in life is to get our relationship on God's page. Because I'm not where I belong and you're not where you belong. You're not perfect and I'm not perfect. I'm not better than you and you're not better than me. We are both in a relationship to know Jesus and the closer I get together making Jesus the center, now we grow in relationship and I get off of my high horse, you get off of your high horse and we step and worship at the one who's coming back on a white horse. That it become, we get from where we are into a place of relationship that becomes healthy. That it's not about us. It's not self-serving. Second Corinthians, Paul said this in chapter 5. He says, Jesus died for everyone so that those who received his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. Now, Christ, of course, becomes the one. We don't look at him from a human point of view. What is the human point of view? When I look at something from a human point of view, I look at it from how I see it, what I think about it, and how I feel about it. How many know what I think about it and what I feel about it and my opinion about it is not always the truth? And we oftentimes, we keep our relationships from a human point of view, but we no longer look. Paul said we no longer look at other people from a human point of view. Now we see from a kingdom perspective. I'm not just raising kids that when it's all said and done, hopefully I've done a good job and, you know, things go fine and they get on their feet, yada, yada, yada. No, the goal is that they would know Jesus Christ 
and that they would have relationship with him. Does it always go the way we plan and expect? No, that's why Jesus told this story. Just so you know, it's not gonna be on the timing and the way and how you think, but when you trust God, he knows how to work all things together for good. You know why he's a good, how we know he's a good God? Because even our faith itself was built on dysfunctional people in dysfunctional relationships. Jacob, the one called Israel, he was a deceiver who stole from his brother, and then he and his mother together manipulated his father. How many know that's a problem in the home? When the, when the son and the mother get together to pull one over on the dad, how many know that's probably not a good home and that is, the, that is where our faith came from. Why? Because God says, I can work in the dysfunction. I can work in the disorder because I'm the God who can take things that are broken and put them together. I'll work. I don't need perfection to work. I just need you to come to a place of being willing to become perfected, to grow in grace, to grow in knowledge. You don't have to have your act together, but you've got to get your relationship with Jesus Christ and let your relationships be built on him. Get that together that that becomes the place that will drive all the rest. Here it is. He says that we no longer look as a human point of view. And when we manage our relationships in the right way, it reveals what really matters. Here's the other thing that we see here is that Jesus is telling this story and this story about the the managers. And he's telling this story as he arrives on the Mount of Olives and he's between two towns, Bethpage and Bethany. Remember that his 10 servants, and this is something to be reminded and didn't mention this in the story, but he told his 10 servants, now manage my money, manage my resources. And the Bible says that there were those that the people of that, of that kingdom did not want him to be king. They hated him and did not want him to be king. Now guess what, now, now realize what has to happen now. The servants have to manage their resources and do things according to the king's way in a society and an environment that is not favorable to the king. Does that sound familiar? They hated the king. And now the servants have to honor God in a place where the king and the things of God are not popular or the things of the king are not popular. It sounds familiar. How do we do relationships in a place in this area? But notice what is significant about this area of where this, this, this place that Jesus arrives. He's between Bethpage and Bethany. And there are sometimes these difficult environments because this is number two. Managing relationships is messy. If we're going to have managed relationships, relationships unto God, if we're going to do relationships God's way, relationships are messy. Somebody say amen. Just make me feel a little better about that. Relationships are messy. Being in relationship with people is messy. It's not an easy thing. And and we have to be real about growing relationships. There's tension. There's difficulty. Jesus sends these two disciples and he sends them to a place between Bethpage and Bethany. And what's interesting about this is that Bethpage, right in the middle of Bethpage and Bethany, there is this area. He says, go over there and untie the donkey. So there's a tied up donkey between Bethpage and Bethany. Bethpage means the house of unripe figs. 
and Bethany means the house of misery. How many know that there are often times in relationships that get tied up and places that they get stuck because they're somewhere between we thought it would work out and now it's not going the way we thought it would work out. It's a place of it's unripe and then it's in the place of misery. How many know sometimes relationships get stuck and tied up in the place that it starts out well and there's things that we don't like or things that we overlook. Here's what I often find in marriages and relationships. There are things that are not discovered how much we didn't like them until we get later on in the marriage. And the reason we didn't realize that is because the one person overlooked it because they lived in the place of Bethpage that is unripe, unripe figs, where in their mind, well, it'll change eventually. They'll learn to pick up after themselves eventually. They'll learn to do it. They'll learn to call. They'll learn to do. They'll learn eventually. And there's this, this power, this thought that I can train them eventually and they'll catch on eventually. I know this is getting too real, so don't look at anybody and don't that eventually I'll train them to do things my way, and so it's unripe yet, it'll eventually get there. And then it doesn't get there, and now we're stuck between it'll change one day, and now we're stuck between misery, it's never gonna change. And things get knotted up and tied up in that place where I hoped it would get better, and it feels like it never will, and now I'm stuck. How many know relationships can get tied up between Bethany and Bethpage? That there becomes this, 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 this struggle. It's not just dysfunction and disorder. Dysfunction is how we handle that. Getting tied up there is not dysfunction. That's real. If you get to a place where your relationships get tied up, and it's like we hit, a, we hit a spot. That's not dysfunction. Dysfunction is when we, in an unhealthy way, handle those moments of being tied up. Every relationship reaches the point. Let me give you the stages, just a perspective of the, the stages of relationships that take place. Number one, stage one, they begin intriguing. You become intrigued by the relationships. It's, there's a curiosity. There, there's a, a wonder in, it, in, in this idea. And so you become intrigued in, in the relationship. And then stage two reaches a flattering stage. There's a flattering, there's a pleasure and a joy about it. And in that flattering, it doesn't mean that things are perfect, but you're so caught up in it that you overlook the imperfections and there's a flattering. I love it when people come in, or I should say, I don't love it, I do, but I'm cautious when people come in and they say things like, man, I've never felt the presence of God in this church like I felt it anywhere else. I stand there, I'm like, we'll see what you say in a couple months. It's the truth. Because flattering stage is like, this is awesome. This is the best relationship I've ever had. Yeah, because you're only two days old in it. Everything looks great right from the start. Everything looks good at the beginning. It becomes this compared to what and, and all of the things. And sometimes we jump in relationships compared to other things in other places. And, and so there becomes this flattery that then develops in this stage of expectation. That there's this expecting stage. That now there's this commitment. We've got future plans. There's, there's a future here. We're, we're going to move forward into the future. That's great. It's wonderful. But every place of expecting sometimes, or not just sometimes, will reach some level of disappointment. Every relationship will come to a disappointing stage. Raise your hand if you've ever been disappointed by somebody. I thought as I said that, that's not smart. Don't do that. Um, raise your hand if you've ever disappointed anyone. Raise your own hand. Don't raise someone else's hand. Right? <laughs> raise your own hand. Disappointment becomes a, a place, and here's where too many relationships get stuck then. And then this is either the place where relationships just, eh, it is what it is. It'll never change. 
It's just the way it's going to be. It either becomes that or it becomes, I'm ejecting from this. I'm getting out of here. And in any place that becomes a, a place of, of disappointment in how we handle it. But there are stages beyond. And real relationships grow when you get beyond the disappointments. Let me say, real relationships grow when you move from one disappointment to the next. <laughs> I mean, because there's this process. And when we learn how to be functional and not dysfunctional is we learn how to untie from the things that are holding us back instead of getting stuck between unripe and, un, and the, 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 the uh, uh, not yet and the not as expected. Sometimes it's tough being in relationships. I've met people who have stayed in relationships and just out of honoring God, and man, they've plugged through and they've honored God. They've honored, in fact, their individuals that I know who said, I've had, had to ask God to give me a love for my spouse because in their words, falling out of love, which, by the way, you never fall out of love because if you fell into love, that's an accident. And if you accidentally got in a relationship, you're already off to a bad start. Okay? That's, that's a one-night stand and things after that, that's not good. Uh, but you never fall out of love because you can't fall in love. Uh, it's a commitment. What happens is you fall out of commitment. What happens is what you hope for has now become drowned by what you've experienced. And when your experience that is difficult is greater than your hope, how many know that's where you're feeling stuck? And so you need the grace of God to give you hope to untie from the undesirable things that have happened and occurred in life and I've got to say this, only Jesus Christ can do that in your life. Amen. Only Jesus can untie you and me from the bondage, the baggage, the difficulty, the habits that take on. And now I, I just spout out and become aggressive. And only Jesus can redeem and restore that it gets messy. And relationships cause us at a place that, that when, we, when we grow, we can reach a place of discovering and then the stage of revealing and the stage of perfecting that God wants us to be perfected in our relationships. Let me, um, as the worship team comes and prepare to close, I, I love the fact that this, this donkey has never been ridden before and it's important because it points to Jesus. It's so that it becomes a, 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 a marker of who Jesus is because he's riding a donkey that no one has ever ridden, which was prophesied in Zechariah that that would be the case. But I think it's also a picture for us that Jesus doesn't just repeat the patterns of the past. He makes all things new. That God wants to allow your relationships to become new. That God wants to give a, a hope and a fresh start, a new place. Let me uh, recognize that he can break the patterns of what has been and do what's never been before. I remember as a youth pastor, um, I felt this, this call, and I knew what God had called us to do in often places. Some of the, a lot of the students that we were reaching was God was calling us to raise up students to do what they've never seen done before, to follow Jesus like they've never even seen, because some of them came from, from, from unchurched homes and, and places that, that didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And so it was this, we're called to raise up to do what's never been done before. Can I tell you, I still feel called to that. That we would have marriages that maybe you've never seen before. 
that you're surrounded by marriages, they've always gotten stuck in this place and they don't know how to go beyond it. That we have relationships in businesses. That we have relationships in the church that instead of talking about who we don't like and talking about people, we've learned to talk not about people but to people. And by talking to people, we've become iron sharpening iron and creating a healthy place. That we become people who don't leave one place to go tell the other place how much we didn't like it at that place and never talk to that place, by the way. That's the part which, can I, I'm a pastor, so can I just wear a pastor's heart for a moment and say, when it's time to leave and God calls you to leave, don't just walk out the door without talking to anybody. Can I just tell you? Because I'm a pastor, and pastors have hearts. I don't do this because I'm hired, and I don't do this because it's just a job. I do this because I care about people. And I realize that I've got to rise, and I will. But it's like, oh, God, can't we rise up as a church and be people who don't just treat people like something other than people unto God? That we have a heart, that we talk, that we're in relationship, that we do things honorably and unto God. And I realize that probably got a little too real for the moment. And I'm just being real as a pastor because I love people. And when you don't see people, and then you wonder where are people going, what, I realize you got to just let that go. But you try doing that with people you love. Just try doing that. With, and here's the problem. Sometimes we're too good at that. Sometimes we're too good at just shut the door, never call them back, never talk to them. Some of us are in relationships, people we've, we don't even know if we've offended them, they've offended us, they've been, and we just, sometimes it's too easy, just, well, I'll never talk to you again. And open up the heart right here and say, is that really Jesus' way? And so in the church, do we just, well, you know, that's how it goes. Or do we in the church say, no, we're going to untie the junk and the garbage. And we're going to show the world how to carry the presence of Jesus into a world that's broken. Does that make sense? Can I be honest with you? It's a lot easier just to tie it up and be done with it and let it go. It's, it's easier, but it's harder. Then you carry that with you, and this is just what's for me on my heart is that God help us to, to be people who can heal. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, my life is made by my relationship with Jesus and my relationship with people around me. Let's be real. If you feel good because you got money in the bank, that only lasts so long. And I don't mean the money will only be there, you might be able to keep the money there forever good for you. But if you don't have healthy relationships, it kind of stinks being a wealthy person with no friends. Burning the bridge everywhere you go. Keep... Do relationships. Can, can I just say it straightforward? Do relationships God's way. Can I say at Faith Assembly, by God's grace, in a divided, politicized, polarized, offended world, we are going to do whatever we have to do to do relationships God's way. Not because I'm going to be perfect, not because you're going to be perfect, but because when we get between Bethpage and Bethany, we're not just going to leave things tied up. We're going to allow God to speak and Jesus say to untie what needs to be untied.
and that we will reveal to our world who Jesus Christ is. That we become untied. This is what struck me with this was that the moment they went from untied and if we're going to be united, it's really just the difference of two letters. Just put it in its place. When you put it, when you get it together, when you put Christ at the center, I didn't mean and say everything's just going to go away and it's all going to feel good, everything's going to be fine. What it means is God gives us the grace and the strength to do what we need to do and to honor God in every situation that we can, to honor God in every place and in every part, that we would do relationship God's way. Guess what? I know people who are going to be voting for someone different than I'm voting for in November. How in the world can we talk? I'll show you. How in the world can we survive if another party and this thing, if that happens? We'll show you. We know the hope of Jesus Christ and we've got to be a church that shows how to do it God's way. I do believe that when we do it God's way, He'll order the decisions we make, the things that come about. But I just want to ask you this today. Are you doing it God's way? That we would do relationships God's way. How about your marriage? Are you loving your spouse God's way? Are you loving your enemy God's way? Oh, there's a way to love your enemy? Yep, Jesus said how to love your enemy. Oh. Jesus told us how to love our enemy, and we don't know how to work out differences. This ought not be is what I want to say. So God teaches how to do it. That we will become perfected. We're not perfect. But when I grow with you and iron sharpens iron, guess how iron sometimes gets sharpened? Not sometimes. Smack. You can't sharpen iron without coming in contact and some sparks flying every once in a while. Let's do it God's way. In our homes, let's do it God's way. I want to sing this song just before we go. Would you stand with me all across this place? God, I pray our relationships that we would do it God's way. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You say today, Jason, there's a relationship in my life that I, by God's grace, I'm asking God to help me to untie and to do it God's way. As much as it depends on me. If that's you today with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, I'm in a relationship. I've got a relationship around me, whatever that is. And you need God's grace. If that's you, just lift your hand right where you are. Yeah, come untie. Yeah. Yeah, do it God's way. Do it God's way. Do it God's way. I feel led to say this right now. Some of you, those relationships are because you've tied yourself to someone you shouldn't be tied to. And I don't mean in marriage. I mean just in, in commitment. That you're tied to people that, that are not of God. What does light have to do with darkness? Don't be unequally yoked. Honor God. Do it God's way. Come on, let's sing this together. set free, untied. God, help us be untied from bitterness. 
hide from resentment. Oh.